Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. One critical function at the Food and Drug Administration is the regulation of drugs and drug therapies. It's especially something we're hearing a lot about during the COVID-19 era. The office that's responsible for supporting the FDA in its efforts to make available safe and effective drugs for all health issues, including COVID-19, is the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research. With us today to discuss the technology behind FDA's regulation of medicines is Justin Scott, Senior Business Informatics Officer at the department. A veteran FDA technologist, Scott talks to us about how technology is helping researchers make critical decisions of new drugs that ultimately support healthcare treatments nationwide. Thanks for joining me today. I'm really looking forward to learning more about what you guys are doing at the FDA to improve, you know, the processes and make sure that the government agency is modernized. So I guess just to kick things off, would you please describe your roles and, you know, your responsibilities within the FDA or your general experience within the FDA? Sure. My name is Justin Scott. I'm the Senior Business Informatics Officer in the Office of Business Informatics. So I work in the Center for Drug Evaluation and Research, so we are primarily focused on reviewing drug and biologic products. Been there for 15 years, started off as an intern, ended up working full-time during the day, going to school full-time at night, have over my years there been a developer. I've overseen production support programs, entire clinical data visualization programs, and now I am the lead for basically new drug review and some of the aspects surrounding safety and uh, basically taking technologies and implementing them so that the reviewer community can make the you know, most efficient and most effective decisions when it comes to new drug safety decisions. You entered into the FDA starting off as an intern? That's correct. It was a random job that I applied to right out of high school. And at the time, they asked, who can build a web page? And the only IT experience I had at the time was you know, my space was still a thing. And I knew if I go to this code generating website and copy and paste some code in, it'll change the look and feel of the page. And so I kind of reverse taught myself HTML, developed a web page. And oddly enough, that web page is still in use today here 15 years later. So I guess going on to my next question, how is the FDA currently using artificial intelligence and RPA to better monitor public health? Because the whole mission for FDA is basically to assure the public that products are safe and effective. And this includes drugs, vaccines, and other biological products. Sure. So I'm going to approach it from the drug and biologic focus, since that's what my center deals with. So to understand where we're at now and where we're heading, we kind of need to start with where we were. In the mid-90s, you know, there were these, this pharmaceutical boom, and, you know, everybody under the sun was submitting stuff to get approved by the FDA. And so this eventually led to an overwhelming backlog We're talking like two years of reviews that were sitting on somebody's desk. And, you know, basically when that was happening across the center, you know, the cure for cancer could potentially be sitting in a pile on somebody's desk and they don't have the time to get around to it. So what we've done is Congress put something into place that basically allowed the FDA to hire more staff. And with that, basically, we had to prove and show that we were able to meet specific congressional goals, you know, within the timeframes that they prescribed. And so with that, we've hired additional resources, but we haven't been able to keep up with all of the submissions that are coming into the FDA, especially these days with COVID-19. So where we're focused is kind of three areas that we're trying to modernize. And the first one being RPA. And mainly the focus there is 
taking something that is a relatively simple process and automating it the best that we can to save time and free these resources up for the bigger and better things that they were actually hired for. Next, we are working with IOCR technologies to basically attain data that wasn't previously available and actually be able to utilize it in our visualization softwares, in our workflows. And the third one being, you know, getting things moved to the cloud. And I know that's a very broad and blanket statement these days, but because of how we have our data centers and our infrastructure and architecture set up at the FDA, we might have something stood up in one data center that can handle something, but we also need access to that somewhere else. And because of all of the security limitations that we're facing, moving things to the cloud will basically allow us to be able to get the data together and access it where we need it. And that's kind of the current state that we're at and what we're looking at moving forward with. Yeah, I actually interviewed Principal Deputy Commissioner Amy Abernethy about this, the Technology Modernization Action Plan and, and that moving to the cloud and also automating processes to basically get data in real time were key like cornerstones of the plan. I think you noted a couple earlier, but what are some of the main challenges that you know still exist with implementing RPA and artificial intelligence and I guess generally automation to help improve these processes? Since we are truly dealing with big data here at the FDA, and I mean millions upon millions of records, you know, we need yesterday's data in order to make informed decisions about how to move forward. If we just implement something along the lines of you know, scraping files using IOCR. You know, it's great to have the data once we flip the switch and move forward. But, you know, in order to really understand, you know, where we're going, we have to understand where we're coming from and what decisions were made before us. And so basically coming up with solutions to, you know, look through the past, the historical data and all of the different, you know, versions upon versions, all the changes, all these little nuanced things that you don't know until you're looking at this historical data. That's been one of the major challenges that we face is basically kind of not just moving forward with advancing things, but also taking our time to gather all the information that we have historically. And anytime that we're put in a situation that our data is being utilized by our reviewer community, or they're actually using the tech themselves, that is something that we have seen be a hurdle where, you know, these are scientific reviewers, they're focused on their scientific method, they're averse to any change that's, you know, not proven. And uh, that's basically been one of our biggest hurdles thus far. Are there other processes that you think need to be taken into consideration when implementing AI and whatnot? So at least for the use cases that we have at the FDA, we've been heavily focused on IOCR. And originally, we it was a proof of concept where we were trying to take these clinical trial data, these reports that are submitted to the FDA, and basically scrape them and take this information and put it in a readable format. Because as it stands today, when these are submitted to the FDA, it's just a PDF or a sheet of paper. And if any clinical reviewer wants to have any idea of what's going on, they have to open up multiple PDFs and gather all of this information. And so by being able to extract this data and structure it, it's, you know, what we've said is basically getting us into the 21st century as far as allowing these reviewers to have something that's not just, you know, reading a sheet of paper. And what we found is as we've extracted, you know, all this data for stuff that's related to COVID-19, we've started using it for the opioids epidemic, labeling changes. Basically, what we found is there's so much data that it's basically established a greater need for natural language processing, NLP. 
And what we found is we primarily focused on, you know, keyword based, just anything being keyword based. And that just doesn't cut it anymore when we have, you know, the volume of data that we're looking at. So using this safety report as an example, it could mention some sort of drug in this narrative section that, you know, the patient took drugs X, Y, and Z. And, you know, these were the dates they took them and stuff. But if you were to run a keyword search, yeah, that report would come back in your results. Whereas, you know, without that added context, basically you'd be getting, you know, misleading information, if not inaccurate information. So the need for NLP is something that we are focused on at this point now that we have access to all of this data that we've been sitting on for all these years. And on top of that, it's not just the NLP component, but some of the data is so complex and has so many, you know, variances over time that making sense of it, knowing where to look in these forms and all these different free form documents is pretty brutal. So, you know, NLP is probably the next step that we're going to be looking into for at least some of the stuff that we're focused on in the Center for Drugs Evaluation and Research. A lot of, of what the FDA does is we get something submitted to us. We have to review it and determine what action needs to be taken. It might be no action. It might be something that like, needs to occur. And so everything is basically, you know, document in, what do we do with it? All right, now let's generate some sort of review and send some sort of communication back out. There are also situations where as we are evaluating the data, we might notice something ourselves where, okay, we notice this signal that basically means we need to put a trial on hold. So in that point, we would initiate the communication with them and basically shut down the trial until they get back to us. I was also thinking about how there are a lot of disparate data sets within the FDA itself. You know, FDA has a lot of offices with, you know, different functions and objectives. So could you touch a little bit more about cloud technology and how the cloud will significantly help bring these data sets together or maybe not? No, it's a, it's a great question. And you're absolutely right. In a lot of regards, the way things have been done at the FDA historically have been very, very siloed. And different groups have been, you know, seemingly protective of their work. We have particular reviews that are being done where different disciplines, whether it be non-clinical reviewers, product quality reviewers, even if they're writing the same document together, they don't want to share their information, even if it's in draft form. And so I'm not sure if moving to the cloud will necessarily be able to get over that hurdle. But the thing that I think it'll help address is presenting everybody, as I mentioned earlier, with the access to the data that they need. It makes complete sense that if we have the data available, you know, it should be exposed to anybody who needs it because, you know, it's one of those situations where two plus two, it might equal five. And you don't know if two plus two equals five if you only have two that you're able to work with. And so I know that we are in the process of, as I mentioned, we have certain data that's only available on certain and certain data centers. And so by getting everything to the cloud, We've already begun working on this migration, uh, made substantial progress on it. And I think basically it's a question of, you know, what it can be done once we get everything to the cloud. And I think that's where we're still evaluating, you know, just what is possible for the FDA. I guess I also have another question about data standardization. So with all of this data, you know, all of it is formatted differently. You mentioned that reviewers get documents in PDF files and, you know, it's harder to extract the information that way from these files. I'm just trying to figure out how the FDA is thinking about reformatting its data standards or if it has its own like internal workings around that or if they're going to be following some other data standards out there. No, that's an excellent question. Depending on 
what the data sets are that we're looking at. We have different data standards. So one group that we work with is the International Conference on Harmonization. Basically, this is a group, you know, comprised of U.S., European, Japanese, you know, entities that basically come up with standards for, you know, one particular case are these safety reports that I mentioned. So they have standards established for that. But one of the problems that we face are that some of these data standards need to be put out in the form of regulations and basically specific guidances. And getting some of these approved has proven to take a lot more time than you know, some people have anticipated. So depending on the nature of what the data standards are, we try to build internally certain validation steps so that when data hits the door, we're able to immediately and programmatically analyze it, make sure that it adheres to the standards that need to be met. We can, you know, flag it and send it back to the customer. We can accept it and then, you know, notate what some of the inconsistencies are before we send it back to them. So depending on the situation, we are either very early on in these processes where we haven't sent out any standards that you know, need to be adhered to, or we have these validation tools in place that basically handle everything from A to Z for us. So we kind of span the breadth of everything as it currently stands. Yeah, like the data that FDA collects from clinical trials, but also these drug review applications submitted by various companies, it's just a lot of, you know, it's coming into the agency in a lot of different formats. I'm thinking about like electronic health records. I'm thinking about like digital health technologies and um, more real-time data that's changing by the second. How is it possible that the agency can wrestle with all of this data coming in? And I guess to your point, it greatly depends on you know, the regulations involved with standardizing the data, but also making sure that the frameworks are there and the checkpoints for making sure that data is passed through all the right steps. And I can't even imagine the process of cleaning all that data and then making the regulatory decisions around that information. It just seems incredible to me. I guess my last question is, you know, what are you most looking forward to when it comes to FDA's modernization journey within this next year? So I think this is something that will hit close to home for pretty much anybody listening to this and lots of folks around the world. And that is something that can help us tackle COVID-19. And so what's really cool is with the IOCR technology that we've recently procured and been utilizing, that was the first time that we've ever been able to aggregate this safety data, you know, that's part of clinical trials for COVID, you know, on top of anything else. And so we're finally able to get a better look at what's actually going on with the patients who are in these clinical trials, you know, what their patient history is, what their demographics, what type of reactions they're having, what medications are working for them, which ones aren't. And so it's basically just anything, it's kind of the what you don't know kind of a thing. And I'm not sure what technologies are out there and, you know, where we would normally be able to go to some sort of conference and be able to get a little bit more information. Unfortunately, that's a hurdle that you know, we now have put in front of us. And we're all about actionable analytics at the FDA. So basically, we have data in front of us, we are able to understand what the data actually means, and be able to take that and take some sort of action to move forward, that's the best for the American public. I really appreciated you taking the time to speak with me today, Justin, about this, because yeah, it is very relevant to what's going on today you know, reviewing all of these clinical trials and reviewing these drug applications for potential COVID-19 vaccines. I don't want to say we're rounding the corner, but, you know, we're getting close to the approval of a vaccine. I don't know when exactly it will be widely distributed, 
but we are nearing that edge. But yeah, I really appreciated this conversation, Justin, and thanks so much for coming on the show today. Great. Thank you for having me, Faith. I appreciate it. HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris, Adam Patterson, and Faith Bryan. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.